We thank you that we can be connected even though we aren't together. We thank you for your spirit that leads us and guides us into all truth. And Father, I pray right now that you move upon us in all the different places that we are, Lord, with your spirit to open your truth to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, as many of you know, Today is Palm Sunday. This is the week before Resurrection Sunday, or, or Easter, and that bears down on us. Uh, you know, we're used to coming together to celebrate our risen Savior and his victory over sin and death and hell. So I'm going to, I admit to you, it, it's troublesome for me in, in my spirit that, that we can't get together. Even more so that we can't gather for our our most precious holiday, the day that we celebrate not just Jesus' resurrection from the grave, but the promise of our own resurrection when he comes again in victory. So as I was praying and planning what to do this week, I just felt the need to try and connect with all of you personally. That's why you you don't see my family here with me today. In fact, right now, we're all gathered together in our living room, and they are seeing this for the first time, just like you are. Church, I was thinking about the situation across the world and in our country, in our own city, about all the people who are getting sick and those who are dying and all the families that they're leaving behind. And I know that there are some of you, even now, who are just doing everything you can to keep it together, as you've just experienced the great and the terrible pain of loss. There are many who are losing their jobs and their businesses that are closing. And you know, no matter how much stimulus money the government throws at it, some of those businesses and jobs just aren't going to come back. We've now been asked on a global, national, and local level to stay at home and to not go out unless it's absolutely necessary. And even then, they want us to wear masks for protection. The situation is unnerving already. On top of all that you are already burdened by, the load that you're already carrying. And now you've got to figure out how to manage all of that in the middle of all of this disruption. I was thinking about some of the, the prayer requests that we have, at least the ones that I know about. And I am certain that you all have others that you are praying for that I don't know about. It it just occurred to me that that if we are to believe the projections and the the news that we're getting, and don't even get me started, that in itself is a whole other source of frustration. Because there's so much misinformation out there, it's hard to know what to take seriously. But but if we are to believe what they're telling us, then the situation with COVID-19 is is going to get much worse before it gets better. And the real possibility is that the number of prayer requests that we have now, that could just explode in the coming weeks. You may see me post every day or even two or three times a day about someone else needing prayer for any number of things. Prayer for healing, for protection, for provision, for guidance and wisdom and mercy. I'm just trying to be honest with you all because I I don't think I'm in this alone. It gets to be overwhelming. And it can be overwhelming. One more thing to add to my prayer list. One more person that I've got to pray for. 
and there are so many already. It can become a heavy load, and if it can overwhelm you if you're not careful, if you aren't already in the Word, if you aren't ready, if you aren't firmly rooted in Christ. So let's, let's go to the Scripture this morning and see, see what the Word says and draw some encouragement from it. This is not a traditional text for a troubling time, but... I believe we can draw some encouragement out of this text. If you have your Bibles in Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 28. And when he said these things, he went up on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the coat, they said, set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Well, this story is the story of Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Now, he's riding on a donkey, but he's not the first person to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Just like Solomon did when Solomon was crowned king. Some of you will remember that story of how David was, he was getting very old. He was so old, in fact, that the Bible says he couldn't even stay warm, even when he was wrapped up. The king and the kingdom had, the kingdom had been promised to Solomon by God, but there was one of David's other sons, Adonijah, he decided he wanted to set himself up as king. So he got the military leader and the religious leader to follow him out to some out of town to some secret meeting place where they made sacrifices and they did their little rituals to exalt Adonijah. Well, David had heard about it and he called his leaders together, godly men. And he had them take Solomon and put Solomon and he set them on David's donkey. Think of that as the, the modern-day presidential limo. And while Adonijah and all of his buddies were off trying to exalt themselves, Solomon, the true king, the rightful heir to the throne of David, was riding into Jerusalem on David's donkey. The people of Jerusalem, they rejoiced with great rejoicing. The Bible says it was so loud that the ground shook. The rightful king is on his throne and the people rejoiced. Church, there are, there are so many parallels that we can draw between Jesus' triumphant entry 
into Jerusalem and Solomon's triumphant entry into Jerusalem. There are as many differences, though, as there are similarities. After God had exalted Solomon, Solomon abandoned the Lord and he followed after idols. See, Jesus never turned away from God. Solomon disobeyed the Lord and he took foreign wives and he worshiped their foreign gods. But Jesus is coming for one wife, the church, and he is preparing her to be his spotless bride. Solomon's reign was temporary, but Jesus' reign is forever. Solomon died and he went to the grave, but Jesus conquered death and the grave. So many beautiful truths that we can draw out of this text, but I I really just want to focus on one thing this morning, and I want you to meditate on one thing throughout the week. In spite of all that is going on around us, in spite of all the shutdowns and businesses closing, in spite of people getting sick and dying, in spite of churches being closed, church buildings being closed, and physical separation, in spite of all of that, Christ is seated on his throne. The king has come. If you remember your Bible history, you're going to know that the event that we're talking about, that we just read about in Luke, takes place just four days before the military and religious authorities come to take Jesus away, to mock him and to judge him, to rip out his beard, to spit on his face. And in just five days, the people would demand his crucifixion. And they're going to beat him and scourge him beyond recognition. Place a crown of thorns on his head. Nail him to a cross to bleed and die. And through it all, the king was still on his throne. He was still in control. See, what Satan meant for evil, the king meant for good. Satan thought he had the upper hand, but it was supposed to happen that way all the time. Jesus told his disciples so many times that he was going to be taken and beaten and murdered. This was the plan all along. Great trial and uncertainty. Great testing and trying of faith. The Bible teaches us that Jesus was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. You see, Christ was always on his throne. Christ was always the lamb, and Christ is now on his throne. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Look, I'm talking to myself as much as I am to anyone. Let not your heart be troubled. But let your mouth rejoice. Christ is on his throne. And that, that is sure and strong and glorious. That is a foundation. Cast your anchor in those waters, in the middle of the storm, and rejoice in the God of your salvation, the master of the wind and the maker of the rain. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Church, I want you to know that 
times may be weird, they may be uncertain, but God is in control. He always has been. He always will be. None of this is a surprise to him. And any of the bad that comes, anything we look at and we think, oh, this is awful, just remember what Satan means for evil, God means for good. I I can't begin to explain to you how much comfort that gives me. Because it's not like God's finding stuff out. It's not like God is, is, is reacting. It's not like he sees this bad thing happen and now he's, he's got to work really hard to change things and make them come out good on the other end. What Satan means for evil, God means, God meant it for good. It's all part of his plan. The king is on his throne. Amen. Well, let's, let's wrap it up. I'd love to pray with you. Remember, if uh, you need anything, please let us know. When we're done, I'd like to say a word of thank you to all of those who have dropped by your, your tithes and your offerings, have been faithful with your giving, those of you who have gone online and make an, made use of our online giving platform. Um, and I want to encourage you to continue doing that, uh, to be faithful in God in your giving. If, if you are faithful in little, the Bible says he will make us ruler over much. So let's pray and then we'll dismiss and I can't wait to see you guys again. Father God, we thank you once again for your word and I thank you for this people, this family that you have brought together in Family Worship Center. Lord, you are a good and gracious God and we worship you that you are on your throne and we rejoice with loud and great rejoicing that you are seated high and you are on your throne and in control and nothing that the world throws at us, nothing that Satan brings is beyond your sovereign reach. What he means for evil, Lord, you mean for good. Let us take comfort in that, O Lord. Let us find strength in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Bless you. See you later.